0: Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So in the late 1800s, these two brothers owned a sanitarium, and they wanted it to be a place where patients could come and turn around their lives and get healthy. Now when you look at all the things they did to promote health, it's kind of interesting by our standards today. But one of their ideas that these brothers had was that the key to health was all through the digestive system. And so they taught if you wanted to have a happy life, you had to abstain from alcohol, tobacco, meat, low-calorie, all of that fun stuff. And they also taught their patients that you really needed to survive on bland foods. And so they cooked up some nice bland wheat one night, but they left it out. So in the next morning, they came into their sanitarium kitchen and all of this cooked wheat had gotten really stale, but they didn't want to be wasteful. And so they took all this wheat and they put it through a large roller thinking they could have a nice flat sheet, but it didn't stay together because it was so stale. It crumbled up into all these little flakes. And so they toasted these flakes and said, all right, let's give it to our patients and see how they like it. Well, it turns out they loved it. These little toasted flakes as cereal was really popular. Now, it has to be said, I think, that the bar maybe was a little low since all they were given was bland food as they were in the sanitarium. But they loved this toasted wheat, and so the brothers kept making it, and eventually they decided to experiment with some other things like corn in it. And so they made this toasted cornflakes so eventually the two kellogg brothers they started mass producing the kellogg cornflake cereal along with other cereal that you can still have today but part of what i actually love most about this story is that these two kellogg brothers had a big falling out you see they were very religious and will keith kellogg he wanted to start adding sugar to their cereal but john harvey he was very morally opposed to having sweetened cereal because he thought if you add sugar to it, that's going to stir up lust within their patients and cause them to act out in impure ways. And so they split ways, and I think you know which one ended up winning the day. If you eat cornflakes today, they have added sugar in them. So all of this happened, Kellogg's cornflakes, because of a big mistake that ended up being a hidden gift. This is the last week in our sermon series about mistakes. We've been looking at all these different ways in the world and in the Bible where things do not go according to our plan, and so often when things go wrong, there is also some hidden gift that we find, right? And it all goes back to that verse from Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good, which we talked about actually means in the Greek that God works with us through all things to make something good, even out of really bad circumstances. And what I've loved most about this series is just in the past couple weeks, a number of you have come up to us and shared that you have experienced this to be true in your life. Many of you have shared there was some time where something bad happened, something not according to plan, And then either at the time or sometimes much later on, you saw how God was still at work making something good out of that otherwise bad situation. I want to share just one of those stories that I heard last week. During our couple's Bible study, this one family shared how they started attending peace, and it was first in a previous year of vacation Bible school. Their son, who has epilepsy, they didn't know it at the time, had his first seizure during vbs now you would think that's not ideal that's not something you want to happen right except that greta who is never afraid to ask anyone anything asked this new mom had never come to peace you know i know you're new here but could you please sign up we could really use someone to be on one of our crews and so the mom was in the building when this happened which was a good thing for their family. It also happened that they were recording this kid's crew doing some music, so they had on video a recording of this first seizure that they could show the doctor, which was something that is huge. It's very helpful to have. And then there was the team helper in this kid's crew that, right before vacation Bible school, had been to a training about what to do when someone has a seizure. And that teen wasn't originally signed up to be on that crew. It was kind of a last minute thing. And Greta said, Sure, we can put you somewhere. Let's put you in this group, which turned out to be exactly where they needed to be. Now, on top of all of that, this family was kind of in this phase of spiritually wandering. They didn't know what to do with their faith, and they felt so much support and care during this kind of difficult, traumatic time. They felt for sure, this is God showing us, here is where you are meant to be, here is where you can put down some roots and grow in faith. I love that this kind of thing, if you listen, it happens all the time. All sorts of us, we have some kind of story like this where something didn't happen right in our lives, we couldn't have planned it, and yet things lined up just the way it was supposed to. And yes, it should be said that this doesn't always happen. Things don't always work out so neatly like this, but it is often in these times when we are most out of control that we end up seeing how God is at work in our lives, So our reading today is from Exodus, and it shows a perfect example of this happening in the Bible. Now, I hope everyone knows the general story of Exodus, and it culminates with this big miracle of parting the seas, and that's how the Israelites go free, but sometimes we forget how the Israelites were feeling right before this huge miraculous moment. So we're going to pick up in chapter 14. This is after all of the, um, the plagues have happened and the Pharaoh has finally decided, all right, I'll let the people go. But then, of course, as soon as they go, he realizes, where's my free labor? And he decides to send the army to go and bring them back. So here's where we are at Exodus chapter 14, starting with verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them in great fear. "'The Israelites cried out to the Lord. "'They said to Moses, "'Was it because there were no graves in Egypt "'that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? "'What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? "'Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? "'Let us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians. "'For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians "'than to die in the wilderness. "'But Moses said to the people, "'Do not be afraid.' Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Now, we all know what happens next, right? The seas are parted, the Israelites go free, the Egyptians come in and they get trapped in the waters and so they are free. But I love that verse 14. It's a great verse to pull out when you need some comfort. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. But this week is the first time I've considered that verse with verse 15 that comes right next to it. And when you read those two together, they're actually pretty funny, So Moses says, the Lord will fight for you, you have only to keep still. But what does God say right after that to Moses? Tell the Israelites to go forward. So just picture this. They're all there and they see the Egyptians coming, so of course everyone is freaking out, and so Moses tries to comfort them. Just calm down, everybody. No problem here. God is going to deliver us. The Lord will fight for you. You just have to stay where you are. No matter what you do, stay where you are. Okay, God is saying something to us. Okay, new instructions. Don't stay where you are. Keep moving right now. Keep going to the other side of the sea. do Do you get it? They must have been a little confused. Which is it? Stay still or move forward. And of course, the answer is yes. It's both. Both verses tell us something important theologically. There are times when you have to stay still, and there are times when you have to keep moving. So let's think about verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. There are problems in life that, no matter what, are simply out of our control. It doesn't matter how much you plan. It doesn't matter how much you work to try and solve. There are some things that are just bigger than what we can fix on our own. We need something bigger at work. And I know it sounds cliche, but there's a reason why people of faith will say things like, you just have to give it to God. Sometimes that is all you can do, right? You just have to say, God, I don't know what to do next. I'm trusting that you aren't going to give up on me such a big part of faith is learning in those times to let go of control but the next verse matters too so in verse 15 God says Moses says to Moses tell the israelites to go forward if we want god to lead us to something new if we want things to change we have to move our feet now we don't get control over what happens We don't always get to see where the road ends, what's on the other side of the sea. But God says, if you want to go somewhere new, you have to keep moving and trust that I will lead you somewhere. We all have a role to play, even if we don't know what that role is yet. So a couple of weeks ago, I was with a group of our high schoolers on our travel mission trip out to St. Louis. And we worked throughout the week with some different service partners in the area And one of those service partners was an organization called Urban Reach. And so it basically provides, in this really rough neighborhood, a place where some of these kids can come and be safe and be loved on in an area that has a lot of crime and a lot of poverty. So one of our groups spent a lot of the week just hanging out, playing games with these kids in the neighborhood. But right down the street from where Urban Reach is set up, there's this public elementary school. And attached to that school, just right across this walkway, is an old abandoned church. This church has been abandoned for years. And as you might imagine, a big abandoned building in a really rough part of town became something pretty awful. It was a haven for all the worst things you could imagine. There's all sorts of uh, drug dealing, drug use, overdoses happening there. There was human trafficking, sex trafficking happening in this building One of the the husband of the director of Urban Reach, he told us about a pastor friend of his who was called throughout the years many times to come down to this old church to identify bodies of people who had overdosed and had just been left in the basement of this church. They also told us about a 12-year-old kid that was dropped off just at the corner of where this church and this school was. They were dropped off in the afternoon, and then by that evening, they were caught up and trapped in some sex trafficking. It was awful. So this place that was a house of worship, a house of God, it had turned into a nightmare. But all of us, we eventually got to tour this old church because when Urban Reach learned what was going on right across from where they were, they decided they had to do something about it. And so they bought this old building and they cleared it out and they're working on gathering the funds to be able to totally gut this building and to start from scratch and renovate it into a kind of community center. To serve the community again. Now, as I was uh, looking into this story, I found a video that they made, deciding, uh, talking about why they decided to take on such a big project for a small organization like they were. Now, I know not all of you are going to be able to see this video, but really, it's the audio that counts. And so, here is just a small glimpse of what we got to experience. So, this
1: building was one of. Church plan to come in here, whether that's a church you know opening up an additional campus and coming in here, or if there's a pastor you know that the board has designated for this church and it's its own church again, but we want this to be restored as a church again, Um, and then the rest of the building we're going to do all the things that we need to do to help people get.
0: So as we walked through this building, you could feel the passion that they had for what they were doing, and here's the place where the kids are going to dance, and here's where they're going to do this. It was powerful, but they're also a pretty small organization, and even if they weren't, there's no way that one group could just turn things around in St. Louis, right? They could just end poverty or drug violence in this city. You just can't do it. But this family that started Urban Reach, they had this clear trust that this is where God put them, and they, God put them there for a reason. And so they saw one part of a neighborhood, here we can make a difference. And they saw one abandoned building, and they realized, here is something that we can change. There's a homeless woman, one of many that lived in this church when, uh, before they bought it. And when she found out what this church was going to be turned into, she made it her mission to go into the sanctuary and paint over all of the horrible graffiti that had covered the inside of the sanctuary walls and the pillars. And so this former homeless woman got white paint and painted over all of this graffiti. And while we were there, some of our kids were asked to add some messages of hope on the walls. And so they were writing things like Bible verses, words of encouragement, Santino, who comes from a Catholic background, he wrote a Hail Mary on the wall. They wrote some reminders like God loves you, God has your back, God accepts you. And these may seem like really small gestures, but they matter. All of our youth, after they got to see what was going on. They all talked about how powerful it was just to be in this space, knowing the horrible things that went on there and knowing the vision for what it could become in the future. They all, they didn't use this words, but it felt like it was becoming sacred again. And we, in some small way, we got to be a part of that. What if that is how we are meant to look at all of our lives? What if God is doing the same thing all around us? God is taking all of these things that are broken and that are not the way they're supposed to be and restoring them to what they are meant to be. What if God is showing us all of the things that are sacred around us and somehow you and I, we get to be a part of that?